Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. Well, I'm starting a new series today titled, What Will You Choose, Holy or Profane? Now, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, I'm sure you're well aware of um, that for me, most topics are serious. Um, And this topic, which will you choose, holy or profane, is probably one of the most serious topics. I guess I'd put it in the category of series of serious topics. But nevertheless, it's an important topic. And you know, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, that I am always trying to help lay good foundation. You see, God is trying to build a spiritual house. In you and I, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the living God. He's trying to build this spiritual house, and he cannot build a spiritual house on a shaky, flaky, weak foundation. Or, better yet, he cannot build a spiritual house on a foundation that is out of alignment. And any good carpenter, any good construction person knows that your foundation has to be sure and it has to be completely aligned or else from that point on, if it's out of alignment, everything else will be and your walls will be crooked in your home. And I know that firsthand because um, the house that we purchased, um, several of the walls were out of alignment. But hey, we didn't build the house. So Anyway, but in regard to our spiritual house, the Lord is always trying to build a sure foundation in us. That is the utmost of importance because everything after that is, well, it's, I wouldn't say it's fluff, but the foundation is the most important part of a home or a building, anything that's being built. So, Father, I thank you for this teaching today. I thank you that you will reveal to us through the Holy Spirit the difference between what is holy and what is profane. I'm asking you, Lord, to help people that are listening to this message to really be able to um, grab a hold of it and really say to themselves, this is what I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose the holy and not the profane. So, Holy Spirit, We need your help. We need your assistance. We call upon you today, and we ask you to teach us and lead us and guide us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you will start by turning to Isaiah 66, going to be reading completely today out of the New King James Version. I will not be using any other translations of the Bible but the new King James. So if you turn to Isaiah 66 and you can read with me, I'm starting with verse one and two. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit 
and who trembles at my word. In these few verses, the Lord is making it very clear who is in charge. When he says, look, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool, he really challenges our arrogance by asking that question, where is the house you will build me? In other words, what power do we have? What skill or ability do we think we possess that we could build a house for God? It's a reminder to us that everything that exists, his hand has made. Period. End of subject. I like what John says in 1 John 3 because he confirms this scripture. Because John writes, all things were made through him, referring to Christ. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Amen? So let's look at the scripture that says, But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Now, when you translate the word poor in the Hebrew, that word is humble. So it will really reads on him who is humble and of a contrite spirit. And a contrite spirit is a broken spirit, a repentant spirit, and who trembles at my word. To understand what is holy is first to understand that God is holy. And we are called to be holy because we were created in his image and in his likeness. Now, every human being was created in God's image, whether or not their intentions and actions are good or evil. It doesn't matter. We have to look at every individual, every human being on planet Earth, knowing that they were created in God's image and in his likeness. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Idi Amin were all created in God's image, but they chose a profane lifestyle that separated them from God. You see, each of those men, be it evil in all of their intentions and actions, they each had a purpose and a destiny for their lives. But the enemy perverted their desires so that they never fulfilled what God had intended for them. So take a minute and think about that. Think about what Adolf Hitler could have accomplished in his life had he not had his desires perverted by Satan. Who knows? He may have been another Albert Schweitzer. But because he never allowed himself to be humbled, to, to seek the Lord, maybe he wasn't raised in a godly home. I don't know his background. But nevertheless, it seemed that the more 
he pursued evil, the more evil he became. We have a will. We have a will and we have, and we can, we can will to do good or to do evil. When we align our will with God's heart and his word, our actions will be holy. In other words, our actions will be representing God's desires and righteousness. If not, they will be profane. The last part of verse 2 says, the Lord will look upon this one. In other words, this individual, this person, the person who is humble, the person who has a contrite or a repentant spirit. You see, this is a prerequisite for a holy life. Humility and repentance is like a hand and glove. They, they belong together. They fit like a hand in a glove. Humility will draw us to repentance. Now, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 5, and it reads, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So we're supposed to wear humility like a coat. We're supposed to be clothed with it. And the mere fact that God resists the proud should make us always think in the back of our mind, gosh, I, I surely don't want God to resist me. So, and you see, when you walk in a place of humility, he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble, but he will resist your proud actions, your proud ways. Peter says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, this is where we must live, so to speak, okay? This is part of the foundation of our spiritual house that God is building. If these two things, humility and repentance, do not have a place in your spiritual walk, then you will probably lead a life that is profane. So what do I mean by the word profane. All right, let's talk about that word profane and let's get a clear understanding of what exactly does profane mean. First of all, Webster's Dictionary defines profane as showing disrespect or contempt for sacred things. It also means to be irreverent. It means to treat what God calls holy or sacred as if it were just common. Profane can also be defined as behavior that's deeply offensive because it shows a lack of respect. It can also mean vulgar, secular, worldly. And certainly profane occurs in the law, uh, occurs 
in the um, in the New Testament, excuse me, not in the law, but certainly the uh, profane, the word profane occurs in the New Testament in the sense of unholy, godless, having no regard for God or divine desires, divine attitudes or divine actions. So forgive me for a minute, I couldn't read my own words, my own writing. <laughs> now, one of the clearest stories in the Bible, which provides us with a very clear example of the holy and profane, is found in the book of Leviticus. But before we look at those scriptures, let's look at the Lord's instructions to Moses regarding his brother Aaron and Aaron's sons. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through the scripture to show you exactly what the Lord commanded of Aaron and Aaron's sons, because Aaron is going to be the high priest. His sons are going to be priests. So we're going to look at here in Exodus 28, 1 through 4, what the Lord's instructions are, because you have to understand what the Lord's um what he demands before we look at what happened. Okay, so this is um, Exodus 28, verses 1 through 4. Now, take Aaron, your brother. Moses is, is um, speaking what the Lord said. Now, take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me, the Lord is saying, to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a tunic, a turban, and a sash. Whoops, I skipped a line. Which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. So we see in those few scriptures that Aaron, Moses' brother, who's going to become the high priest, and Aaron's son, sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, are all going to have special garments consecrated unto the Lord so that they can all minister unto the Lord. Okay. Then the rest of Exodus 28, if you were to go on and read on your own, you're going to see the intricate description that the Lord tells Moses how this is all to be made. The ephod, the breastplate, and the other priestly garments. Very, very detailed. I'm not going to take time to read that. But it's worth reading the, the beauty and the detail of what the actual holy garments for the priest looks like. Now, in Exodus twenty eight thirty six, 
This is what it says. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet. Holiness to the Lord. And you shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things with the children which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So here's the picture. He's got a turban. On the turban in the very front is a gold plate. On the gold plate is engraved holiness to the Lord. So it's right there on his forehead. And the Lord says it's always going to be on his forehead. Holiness to the Lord is engraved there. And he's wearing that as the high priest. Okay, verse 40. We move on. We're still in um, chapter 28, verse 40. For Aaron's sons, now we're speaking of the sons, the four sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. Now, this is my point. The point of sharing that is that this was serious business to the Lord. It was serious business. The, the, the high priest, you know, that's serious business, what he's wearing, what he's doing, how he's consecrated, sanctified, um, and anointed unto the Lord for the duties that are uh, given to him. Now, he's just a picture of Jesus, right? Jesus is our high priest. So Aaron is in the flesh here, and we're being shown things about the high priest only to see further on in the Bible as we get into the New Testament. Jesus is our high priest. <laughs> so when it has holiness engraved on the forehead of Aaron's turban, holiness unto the Lord. Well, hello, Jesus is the Holy One. He's the just one. He's the Holy One. Okay, now chapter 29, we were just reading about the garments for the priesthood in chapter 28 of Exodus. But chapter 29, very um, complicated, talks about, and I'm not going to spend time there. You can read it on your own. It's a very very lengthy, and it gives the complete details as to how Aaron and the sons are going to be consecrated and prepared to do the duties of priests. Now, at the end of chapter 29, the Lord says this. He says, so I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons 
to minister to me as priests. We see by that declaration of the Lord what this is all about. The Lord is getting them consecrated and prepared to minister to the Lord as priests. Now, I shared all of that with you so that you would understand how important it was to the Lord that everything had to be holy, including the priest. But there's a crazy twist in this story. And we take that story up in Leviticus 9. Leviticus chapter 9. And this is, to me, uh, this is a, I think it's a sad story. But um, here we go. So we're going to start in Leviticus 9, and then we're going to flow right. We're going to start with chapter 22. We're going to flow right into chapter 10 of Leviticus. All right. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Then Moses called Mishael and Elzapan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp, so they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithmar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not, not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between the holy and unholy, and between the unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. 
So let's just stop there for a second. We see that the two sons, Nadab and Abihu, have offered profane fire. Really what they were doing is they were being careless. The Lord didn't command them to do that. They did of their own choosing. So they were careless with what God had called holy and exhibited a lack of reverence. They treated what was holy as common. And they came with irreverence into the presence of the Lord. So they were instantly judged and God immediately killed them. They sinned by approaching a holy God as though he were common. Now you see, they were not just the average folks. We, I just took you through scriptures to show you how they were um, anointed. It says they were consecrated and sanctified unto the Lord. See, all of this they went through to be separated unto the Lord, not to do anything profane. Now their father Aaron and the two brothers, they were not allowed to mourn. You see what we just read. They were not allowed to mourn the deaths of these two boys because it would have further dishonored the Lord. Now imagine for a moment you're a father and you have two sons that die simultaneously and you're you're not allowed to question God, murmur, complain, or even cry over their death. The Lord said you can't even mourn, you can't cry. So this is a very um, profound story, I would say, to show us how one minute, you know, you're consecrated unto the Lord, and the next minute, oops, what you considered holy, now you don't consider holy any longer. And so now the Lord is speaking directly to Aaron, the father, specifically telling him, you will not drink wine. You won't drink anything intoxicating. You or your sons, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, or guess what? You're going to die. That'll be it. And this is going to be a statute forever throughout your generations. Why? So that you may distinguish between what is holy and unholy, between what's clean and unclean, and that, and here it is, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes with the Lord, which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. They were the leaders they were the examples. They were especially set apart by the Lord. So they didn't, there, there was no um, room for error, so to speak. That was it. And God severely judged Nadab and Abihu. But see, he did, they didn't just offer profane fire. They dishonored God before all the people. They were the examples. And they blew it big time. Well, we're going to continue this uh, study on the holy and the profane. And um, so you can go to my website, www.pureheart.today, pureheart.today, and you can listen to these podcasts for free. If you would um, be interested in sewing into this ministry, Pure Heart Ministries, um, 
you can send a an an offering to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia. That's Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I would greatly appreciate your um, blessing of this ministry. More importantly, I would ask that you would pray for this ministry. Prayer for me is, is of utmost importance, and I do cherish your prayers. So I look forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.